Okay, well, good to be together with you guys. Sorry, Nick, I'm moving around like crazy. It's so weird to watch a class speaking and then you look at the screen and it looks like he's looking right at you, but he's actually looking somewhere else. So keeping everyone on their toes. But uh, if you don't know me yet, I'm Donovan, part of the leadership uh, team of the church, along with our wife Heidi, and we've got two little girls, uh, two gorgeous little girls. There's, I think there's, there, there is a picture of our family. Maybe you can just stick it up there. There we go. That was a, a wedding from last year of a good friend of ours. Thought I'd go respectable. And uh, yeah, we've just got back from a great extended holiday, and uh, it was a real gift to our family and I. And uh, we sorely needed it, and it was a fantastic break for us. Uh, as uh, that's for later, that's for later. <laughs> but I like it. Um, as Klaas said, most of you were expecting Rigby to come, but he did send the A team. So Sue's here, uh, Rigby's wife. So we got uh, the most important half of them. But uh, good for you to be here. Thanks for joining us. Send our love to Rigby. He was so desperate to be here, but uh, he just couldn't make it. It wouldn't have been responsible for us. I'm, I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited that we're going to be starting to meet every week right here uh, in this hall. What I'm excited about this year is, for the first time in a long time, we've got a full-strength next-generation team. And yeah, it's so exciting. But we've got a full-strength next-generation staff team, and there's plenty of space for some of you to still get involved, to volunteer, to add your life and your muscle and your dynamic uh, humor into that team. Uh, I'm excited to be back because we've got some clear priorities in this eldership team, and it's exciting to get, to get into those. And then also there's this expectation of the Cape Academy campus that is coming, that we're trusting God for, and that we're moving towards. So much to look forward to. And like Klaus said, I'll tell you more about that in two weeks. I mean, if I'm completely honest with you, I, I have been a little bit nervous coming back to church, back to work for me. You know, this COVID season, it's been challenging. I mean, I don't need to tell you how many times have we heard this. It's been difficult. There's been changes. Uh, we've had to adapt in so many ways. And part of me carries this little bit of nervy for what's going to happen, what's going to change, you know, what's the next curveball coming our way. And if I'm, if I'm even more honest with you, I would probably say that in the last while, I've lost some of my joy. I've lost some of my, my deep sense of joy and rest and satisfaction in God. So, so you need to know that this morning, I'm speaking as much to myself as I'm speaking to you. My message this morning is entitled, Maintaining Joy. You know, as Christ followers, we don't find joy. Christ has given us joy. But we, we get to maintain that joy. We get to nurture that joy. So we're gonna go to God's word to maintain and up our joy levels. I mean, I wonder, I wonder how your joy levels are. So you're sitting out there as life's happening, the New Year's coming, the schedules are starting to pick up, the extramurals are starting to, to make their way. How are your joy levels? I'm not talking about happiness. You know, happiness is something very different. Happiness comes and goes. It's, it's more superficial and surface. Uh, and there's, you can put up my picture now. I just needed to find a way to show you all. Class told me I, I could find the fish. But you know, that is happiness. 
But it only lasted until the next time I went to the beach and blanked and caught nothing. It was over, short-lived. But I'll, I will always have the memory, which is special. But you know, we can find happiness in a present that we got maybe during the festive season, a holiday experience, a new or novel something or someone. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about something deeper, something more steadfast, something more robust, something more enduring. We need more than just moments of happiness. And as Christ followers, we are gifted with and called to that more. God has called and enabled us to experience a deep and daily joy. We know uh, the verse Nehemiah, Joyce spoke about it at our prayer meeting. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We need to be living in the joy of the Lord. And, you know, we can experience deep joy even when our happiness is under threat. I mean, just on Friday, we were at uh, Terence's wife, uh, Patty, who passed in early January. And, uh, you know, just connecting with Terence and, and Mike and Glennis, you can see that there's a sense of hope, there's a sense of joy, of deep satisfaction, despite loss, despite things that go wrong in our life, despite something so meaningful and difficult that happens in our life. And this deep joy that God has for us endures. It lasts, it sees us through. And, and like I said, this infinite joy, it's given to us by Christ, but we still have to choose to maintain it. Now, if you're joining us and maybe you're new to this church thing, just wanted to say hi, welcome, glad to have you here, hope you're feeling at home, hope you're feeling relaxed, we uh, love it that you're here. I'm not sure what you think of when I speak about joy. I don't know if you've experienced deep joy. I wonder if you've experienced you know, times of happiness, but kind of like sand in our fingers there, it just kind of seems to, to disappear and we can't hold onto it. Well, I'm trusting today that for you, you hear God's invitation to deep and lasting joy. He wants to offer that to you. You know, finding Christ is the richest joy you will ever and can ever experience. So we're going to Philippians 3. If you've got your Bible, you can turn this along or swipe there. It's an epistle, the book of Philippians. It's a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi. He's writing from prison. He's suffering. He's writing to people that are in great poverty and persecution. They're suffering. It's hard times for everyone involved. Yet when you read the book of Philippians, it's just so warm. There's so much warmth and love in the letter. You pick up the relationship between Paul and this church. And amazingly, when you read this, there's over just on 20 times, you're gonna hear the phrase, joy, rejoice, gladness. Almost 20 times, despite the suffering of, of the writer and the readers, it's almost once every five verses, you pick up this, this rejoice, joy, gladness. In Philippians, it's not a letter to necessarily um, teach or correct some kind of a wrong teaching. It's more like an expression of warmth between Paul and this local church. And he's, he's writing them to encourage them and remind them about this, this shared joy they have in, in the common faith of faith in Christ. Paul wants the church to know. Paul wants us to know that if you have Christ, 
you have access to deep and lasting joy. Let's read verse one. It says, finally, my brothers and sisters, it could say, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. And there you got Paul's encouragement. He's saying, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Find your deep satisfaction and rest in Him. Find your happiness and good pleasure in Christ. Now, if you're a Christ follower, I'm assuming that you've experienced this joy. You know, every Christ follower, as we come to Christ, we're, we're gifted with this deep joy. Well, I'm, I'm hoping this morning that, that you're going to be encouraged to safeguard that joy, to look after that joy, and hey, maybe if you feel like you've lost it, that you're going to find it again this morning. It's going to just be freshly ignited in you. Let me pray for us, and then I'll keep going. Uh, God, we come before you this morning uh, from all different spaces and places and circumstances, situations. But we want to pray this morning, God, that your word would speak deeply to us, that your word would lead us to life, lead us to freedom, lead us to greater joy and satisfaction in you. God, would you do it in us? Would you speak to us? Would you penetrate our, our heart and mind? In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do this morning, I'm just going to work through the, the next 10 verses in the book, in, in Philippians chapter three. And we're gonna see three keys to maintaining joy as Christ followers. Now the first two keys are kind of like a, a kill switch. I don't know if you know what this is. It's a bungee cord. But on your boats, this, this clips into the kill switch in your boats. And if you were to fall out your boat or something happened, and this is obviously tied to your arm, it unclips and the motor will immediately just die. It's a safety precaution, but that's a, that's a kill switch. And these first two things I'm gonna mention, they're kill switches to our joy. If we're falling into the, these ways of thinking, if we're starting to live like these things are true, it's gonna radically diminish our joy. You know, every Christ follower is filled with infinite joy when they start their journey of faith. For some of us, that joy is quenched through these kill switches. And for others of us, our joy can kind of just grow old and stagnant. And that's why the last key, the third key, is an exhortation for us to choose to strengthen our joy in the Lord. Okay, I'm gonna read the whole thing, Philippians 3, 1 to 11, and we'll get into it. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and have put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. 
What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Hey, may God bless His words to us. So the first safeguard Paul wants to offer us in maintaining our joy is this. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in yourself to find this joy. We're looking at verse two to, to six. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. You know, trusting in yourself for joy. Trusting that you're able to generate this deep and lasting joy is a kill switch. It will diminish your deep joy in Christ. And Paul says, watch out. Watch out, Christ follower. Be vigilant. Look out for this kill switch of trusting in yourself. Pay attention to what's happening in your heart. Pay attention to what's happening in your mind. Watch out. Be alert. And for who? I mean, who are these dogs and mutilators of the flesh? Seems like they would be easy to spot in a crowd. They seem like vicious people. But we need some context. You see, when the good news of Jesus first was proclaimed and preached, it was preached only to the Jews. But then as the Spirit of God came upon the church and the church was ignited and empowered for mission, the gospel started to go way beyond the Jews into the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And when the Gentiles began to turn to faith, it was a confusing time for the Jews. It was, you know, trying to figure out what was happening, that all of a sudden the, you know, salvation was open to, to more than just them. And so what the Jews initially did was they insisted that anyone who truly came to faith would also be circumcised. You know, it was faith in Christ and then, and then circumcision to, to complete that salvation. You can imagine some of the Gentiles thinking, hey, maybe I can just grow a beard or come to synagogue. You know, how would that work for you guys? It's quite severe circumcision. You know, it's, it's faith, faith plus some religious observance. And Paul says, watch out for this kind of thinking. He says, watch out because... It happens to us. It happens to you. It happens to me. Watch out for those who peddle this teaching. It will kill your joy in Christ. He says, put no confidence in your flesh. Now, I picture a hamster on a wheel. You know, and as that hamster runs around, it, it, it kind of generates that kinetic electricity and energy and, and powers up that light bulb. And if we live our lives, if that light bulb was our levels of joy, if we lived our lives like we could generate this deep sense of joy that is God's gift to us in Christ, we're in trouble. How do you get off the hamster wheel? How do you keep that light burning bright? You don't. Your joy diminishes. You drive yourself into the ground. That's not the deep and lasting joy we have in Christ. Watch out for this kind of thinking. You know, I don't know, 
you know, what it could be for us, for me. Maybe it's like, you know, spending 30 minutes every day in the Bible. You know, if I, if I could just get that part of my life right, you know, this deep joy, it's gonna come. You know, maybe if I start praying in tongues, you know, maybe I need to pray in tongues. Or, hey, maybe if I never argue with anyone or lose my cool ever again, you know, maybe then the joy will come. You know, maybe then God will reward me. Or, hey, maybe if I, I try never to sin again, you know, that's the problem. That's why I'm not experiencing this deep joy. No, says Paul, watch out, you're on the wrong track. You're not gonna find your joy like that. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, by the way, but they don't impact our life in the area of joy as sometimes we hope they will. And he says to them, rejoice in God because through Christ, it's our faith in Him alone that gives us joy. You know, if joy had anything to do with our performance, we would lose it all. <laughs> I hope you know that. You would lose it all. Paul knows. Paul is the golden standard of religious activity. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, in other words, someone who strictly obeyed every single part of the law. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness or, or obedience or moral pedigree, faultless. You know, Paul has the pedigree. He's got the name. He's got the position. He's got the clout. He's got the moral track record that was probably unmatched in his day. Wonder, can we say the same? He had the zeal, the commitment, the obedience that outstripped the elite religious of the day. And what happens? Paul stops. He takes stock of his life. He asks himself, where is this all leading? What is this all gaining for me? And in verse 7, we hear, he says, he summarizes, he said, it's all loss. It's all loss when it comes to finding joy in Christ. None of these things produce joy, acceptance, peace, only faith alone. Compared to knowing Jesus, these other avenues of seeking joy are loss. I think like Paul, we can again try and find joy, maybe religiously or irreligiously. You know, maybe as you're going into this year, you're telling yourself, hey, once I sort that schedule out, once I get the calendar right, once I get the lift clubs right, once we settle into the good rhythm, the joy will come. Or, or maybe you're thinking, hey, it's just a little busy, busy patch now. You know, we're just kicking off. I've got a few hectic meetings. Now I just gotta get through those few big deals. And on the other side, you know, the joy will come. The rest will come. The deep satisfaction will come. Well, Paul says, no. They don't lie simply on the other side of those things. Again, nothing wrong with those things. They'll certainly take a lot of stress out of our lives, serve us. But if we're counting on them to produce deep joy and satisfaction and rest, we're gonna be disappointed. We can go the religious route, you know, tightening up the moral track record, coming to church regularly, you know, doing what we think God expects of us, that that'll bring the joy. Again, it didn't work for Paul. It's probably not gonna work for you. 
You know, we don't find our joy when we come together and gather like we are this morning. You know, we find our joy in knowing God through faith and when we, faith, and when we come together, we celebrate our joy. Our joy is multiplied as we express our joy and worship God as an overflow of our relationship with Him. We encourage each other. You know, all of these things, they can bring a kind of short-term pleasure, a short-term happiness or satisfaction into our lives, but ultimately, will it last? And the answer is no. So hey, if you're wanting to up your joy levels, if you're wanting to safeguard your joy, don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in yourself, your plans, circumstances, what you can make happen. Hey, they, they're not bad things but you're not gonna experience that deep, lasting joy. Okay, second key, don't live for temporal things. Verse eight, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Remember, this is a kill switch for joy. Living for temporal things will radically diminish your joy in the Lord. Compared to the surpassing greatness of, of knowing God, of knowing Christ and the peace and the joy and the rest that it brings into our life, everything else can be considered rubbish in terms of bringing joy into our lives. I mean, we, we know this stuff. Think about it. I mean, Many of us have kids, if not you, you can relate to this story. You don't let your, your kids have sweets before dinner because they're hungry and they want a sweet. And yeah, they're gonna love the sweet and it's gonna taste good, but if they have sweets every night, their stomachs are gonna get filled, but they're not gonna get the nutrition that they need. And so obviously as parents, no sweets instead of dinner. You need nutrition. And that's what... All these things that, that Paul speaks about, all these things that we can add to our life, they, they can become a substitute. They could provide some kind of satisfaction, some kind of joy, something short term. You know, maybe you're thinking accumulation can bring you joy. Maybe distraction, maybe entertainment. Or maybe the big thing that we're all living for is the, the flexibility of life. And we think, hey, when I get these things, hey man, I'm gonna experience joy, this deep and lasting joy. Or maybe you're thinking someone, something, or somewhere will do the trick for you. Now, I'm not saying, and neither is Paul, that we must reject all earthly, temporary experiences. You know, sex, holidays, romance, travel, health, hobbies, fishing. We can enjoy these things. But what he's doing, he's encouraging us to keep the right perspective on what these pursuits and pleasures can do for us. Sometimes we long for them to produce more in our lives than they ever will. They steal our joy that only comes through faith in Christ. Now, it's hard for us. <laughs> it's hard for us to not live for temporal things because culture is discipling us. Culture's teaching us things. Culture's pushing us in opposite directions. I mean, consumerism is still telling us that it's just that next thing. 
And then, and then the joy will come. The satisfaction will come. The rest will come. But by definition, there's always, there's no end to marketing. There's always another thing or something that goes with that thing or something that counterbalances that thing or something that'll bring more balance into your life. We think, hey, that, there's joy on the other side of that, but God wants you to know there isn't. Most recently, we're, we've been told to believe that the most important thing we can do with our lives, uh, where true fulfillment lies, is giving expression to what we feel inside. That there's no higher good in this world. There's no deeper joy ex to experience in this world than just being who we feel we are on the inside. That will not produce lasting joy. For Paul and Christ followers, the emphasis on lasting joy is on the surpassing worth of knowing Christ alone. Paul's warning here makes me think a little bit of monkeys caught by the coconut trap. You guys know the coconut trap? Holla out of coconuts. I mean, I haven't done this. I'm speaking like I've done it. But uh, you, you, you make a hole in a coconut. You put some fruit inside. The monkey comes along, puts their hand in the coconut, grabs the fruit, and they will not let go. And they get captured like that. But what's happening? The monkey's losing perspective. They're holding on to a small temporary gain while at the same time putting in danger their very freedom. Seems crazy, but we can do that. We can do that easily. Hold on to small temporary gains, live for temporary things, forgetting the surpassing knowledge of, the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus. In giving up temporary things, it can feel like a big deal. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes we need to take a step back and, and look at what we gain in Christ, and it makes giving up living for temporal things a lot easier. If, if you're not yet a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, reflect on these things. You give up guilt to gain a clear conscience. You give up worry to gain power for living. You give up despair to gain hope that will never fail. These are what produce deep and lasting joy. You give up frustration and lack of purpose in life to gain true meaning and purpose. Become who you were created to become in Christ. You give up pursuing significance and approval to gain purpose, significance, and affirmation from your Father in heaven just because He loves you and he made you, and he wants to restore you. You give up the futile, never satisfying pursuit of happiness to gain an everlasting, infinite joy. I wanna read from Galatians 5 from the message. Here's a great summary of these kind of lives I've been talking about from verse 19. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. 
If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. What, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism or, or trying to gain God's favor through works is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. So as I said, these, these first two safeguards, they're, they're kill switches. Trusting in yourself, living for temporal things, they will rob you of your joy. As I said, the third one's a little bit different. The third key to maintaining our joy is more front-footed. It's to treasure Jesus Christ. Paul, he's urging and reminding us, if you cease to trust in Christ, if you cease continuing to get to know him, if you cease pursuing him or growing in your relationship with him, your joy will dry up. And he gives us two ways to, to treasure Christ in these verses. It says, treasure Jesus by trusting in him. It says, what is more, I consider everything lost. Verse nine, it says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from what I can do, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. The source of infinite joy is Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because through faith in Jesus, we receive the righteousness of God. We receive right standing with God. We received, we renewed in our relationship with Him. We reunited with Him. We were made for Him. And when we place our faith in Christ, we experience the satisfaction that nothing else in this world could ever meet. Maybe you're not yet a Christ follower, and you hear there's an invitation in, these, in this scripture to find true and lasting joy. There's an invitation to say, hey, if you wanna experience true joy, deep joy, lasting joy, if you wanna experience life to the full, if you wanna find rest for yourself, consider faith in Christ. Consider faith in Christ. Right standing with God, it cannot ever come through your efforts. It's not your pedigree, it's not your morality, it's not your accolades that will ever make you right with God no matter how hard you try. You know, religion is like when we take our CV to God and we say, hey God, can I? No, are we, are we? No, it's never gonna work. Paul wants nothing to do with that kind of religion, nothing to do with taking our CV to God. For him, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. It'll never work. Actually, what, what faith in Christ is, is coming to God with Jesus' CV and saying, Emma, can, can we? And God says, yes. Yes, we can be reunited. 
It's his accolades, his achievements, his life, his death, his perfection that we need and are gifted through faith in him. That's when we find out who we really are. That's when we find out why we're here. That's when we find out what we're meant to be doing with our lives. That's when we find out what truly is significant and important in this world. That's when we experience deep and lasting joy. You know, coming to faith, it's, it's like putting on the coat of Christ. Just a huge coat. It, it covers our sin, covers our shame, covers our guilt, our shortcomings, our regrets. And at the same time, as we put on this coat and it covers our sin, Christ gives us his perfect life. When God looks at us, he sees Christ and we are forgiven. You can, you can put your faith in him this morning. Do you know that? You can find this lasting joy and peace. You can find true meaning and purpose and fulfillment, but it only comes through faith in Christ. Okay, the second way we maintain our joy is my final point, is to treasure Jesus by committing to know him more. I mean, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What you're seeing here is Paul, Paul actually pouring out his heart. You're catching a glimpse of what's happening inside of his heart. He's saying, I want to know Christ more. Hey, Christ follower, whether you've been following Jesus for weeks, decades, is that the cry of your heart? Is that the cry of your heart? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ Oh, we get distracted. <laughs> we look for joy in all the wrong places. Let the cry of our hearts be, I want to know Christ. You know there's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him, right? I mean, knowing Jesus, you know, it can impress a lot of people. It can get you through life group, get you through a prayer meeting, get you through a theological discussion, but it's not gonna bring you joy. It's not gonna bring you the joy that you're longing for. That joy is maintained and flourished when we commit to knowing Him, experiencing Him, surrendering to Him. Three ways that He wants us to grow in knowing God. Paul wants to know the power of His resurrection, he writes there. He says he wants to experience the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. He knows that's where the joy comes in experiencing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in the lives of Christ followers today. And as you nurture that, as you invite that into your life, you're gonna experience increased joy. He also wants to live experiencing and knowing, having the assurance that no matter how things, how bad things get in life or how bad things seem, God has the power to turn things around like he did for Christ in the resurrection, both for our good and the good of the gospel and the glory of God. Secondly, Paul wants to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and sharing in his resurrection. You know, Paul's writing in a time of suffering. 
and difficulty. I, I, think, I think many of us can relate. It's been a tough season. Lots of difficulty, lots of changes. And Paul isn't saying go and look for suffering. I want to share in Christ's suffering. Let me, let me create something. But he's saying suffering will come. And when it does come, take it as an opportunity to draw near to Christ. Don't let it push you away from him. Let it draw you near to Christ because it's in your suffering, in your difficulty, in your trials, when you'll discover a Savior who loves to draw near to you. A Savior who can identify with your loss, with your difficulty, with your struggle. A Savior who has suffered and endured till the end. A Savior who has compassion and loves to lavish His presence and power on those who are weak and broken. You're going to experience some lasting joy even in the midst of that suffering. Finally, Paul wants to become like him in his death. Paul wants to be transformed into his image and likeness displayed on the cross. Paul wants to know God. He's committed to know God to the extent that his life is transformed, that there's deep humility. There's a willingness to lay down our lives, to, to, to serve others, to follow God wherever he leaves for the sake of love for him and love for others. We maintain lasting joy. And continue to rejoice in God when we allow ourselves and commit ourselves to becoming more like him. More like him, not just knowing more about him. I think I'm just going to land the message there. Band, you can make your way up onto the stage. I've been talking about joy, recovering or maintaining our joy if you're a, if you're a Christ follower. Maybe you haven't yet placed your faith in Christ. There's an offer of deep and lasting joy. And we've seen the three keys, those kill switches. Don't trust in yourself. Don't live for temporal things. And treasure Christ. Let's pray together. I actually want to take a moment to pray for Christ followers. Maybe everyone can just close their eyes and bow their heads. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, man, I've, I've lost some of my joy. I need, to, I need to make some adjustments. I need to freshly come under the word of God and, and experience this, maintain this joy gifted to me. Why don't you just raise your hand just as a sign of saying, yes, God, I, I want more joy. Raise your hand nice and high. We're gonna, I'm gonna pray for you in particular. God, I pray for those with their hands up. I pray for all of us that where we've been looking and expecting joy in all the wrong places, that God, you would just arrest us, that you would lead us to still waters, to green pastures. God, that you will bring rest and deep, everlasting, infinite joy with ever-increasing measure. God, we depend on you and we commit to knowing you more. Maybe you've never before placed your faith in Christ. Hey, this morning is your opportunity. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you've been looking and searching 
for fulfillment, for purpose, for joy. Well, this morning you can surrender to Christ. It's, it's a simple prayer that just reflects an act of trust in our hearts. You can pray that prayer right now where you are. You can just pray a simple prayer that says, that says, God, I hear you calling me. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who lived the life I couldn't live and who died in my place so that I could be reconciled to you, God. You can pray that. You can pray, God, I, I invite you into my life. I invite you to teach me, to lead me, to guide me, to renew me, to bring me to the place of life and life to the full, to living in this infinite joy that only you can give. Amen.